Hello, today I'm here talking with Holly Page. Hello, Holly. Hi, Kate. How are you doing? Really fantastic. Always nice to talk to you, Kate, as you know. Yes, well, this is hopefully third time lucky because I've been really disappointed because you're a brilliant person to interview. You're so interesting and articulate. And the first two recordings we did didn't save properly and I was quite heartbroken over that. So this is third time lucky and I'm sure this is going to be the best one yet. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a chance for us to chat again, as yes. you said. Yes. Yeah. And um, when I talk to you, I like the way you ask questions, and it helps me sort of categorise and sort of um, yeah, yeah. Um, clarify mm, you know, what I've been doing, what I'm thinking, because I'm just living my life, finding mm, out what I feel I need to know. Mm, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. So we've known each other a little over ten years. Is that right? Yeah. I think it was it two thousand and. Five two thousand six when yeah. we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. festival of life. Yeah, and the Funky Raw. So you were involved in the in the beginning of Funky Raw, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Did you actually start that together with Rob? Oh uh, no, no, no. That was Tish that started Funky okay. Raw. Okay, it was very much Tish, and then Rob started. He was doing the magazine, and then we all decided to start a shop, and then. In the end, Rob took the shop and me and Tish went to do other things. Mm. So, mm. yeah, but it seems a long, long while ago now. Mm. Well, the landscape's was, changed yeah. so much, hasn't it, in 10 years? It's very, yes, very, very much. So, and there's so much you could say about that. I'm sure we'll talk about mm. it. <laughs> but you were really one of the pioneers, weren't you, in, in um, just spreading the information about raw At that raw time, lifestyle. there weren't many people standing out and speaking and teaching. Um, but it was, it was, at the, I still felt it was very experimental, mm. which it would be, of course. Mm. For me, it was all very experimental. And a lot of the time, I was trying to work it all out. So I was very enthusiastic about raw food, but I still had a lot of unanswered questions about it mm. and yeah. about how it works, why it works, and how to make it sustainable. And you know, I spent years looking into that and exploring it from different angles. Now I feel quite happy about. I feel very kind of. I feel very stable in about what I think about food. Mm. You know, and it's like so now I'm sort of coming back to it from a different angle. So do you want to tell us? Um, you said to me before that Tony Wright's been quite influential in your understanding of things. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, I mean, I came to, I, I came into raw food because it's a simple thing of wanting to feel good. You know, it's the question that a lot of people ask after a while. It's like, well, what do I actually want out of life? And, you know, and, and it must involve feeling good. And so what do we actually need to do to feel good? And that, and that was just, that was really my starting point from way back. And then along that journey, I came across raw food, and I discovered that, you know, that I discovered this is really I mean, it's like the chemical foundation. Uh -huh. And um, I heard basically I was, I was looking for more clues on this journey, and I, and I heard that if you ate all your food raw, you would go into this different state of awareness that couldn't be described, it couldn't be experienced. Mm -hmm. So I was already eating a lot of raw food. I think you know very. Pretty, 
way more than half my speed raw, just for health reasons, for energy. But then I decided to commit to being totally raw. And this is a long while ago now, um, about 16 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And um, so after three days of eating all my food raw, just it was all, I think I was eating salads. There was no superfoods or something. Salad and fruit and um, nuts and seeds. I think that was it. And maybe some olive oil and things like that, some oils. And after three days, it was just like coming up. I mean, I just literally felt, I remember the feeling. And it was this lift. And I, you know, it made me, it reminded me of being a child in the garden. And I thought this was amazing. And so I carried on with it. Now, you know, I hasten to add that I don't do my food the same way now, but I eat in such a way that I still feel at least that amazing, yeah. if not more so. But it's, you know, over the years you learn different ways to do yeah. it. But that's what I was doing then. And I was in feed, and I battled on, you know, and I really want to keep that feeling, and I had to work out how to make it work nutritionally. But also I wanted to, I, I, I just was intrigued, I wanted to know why it made you feel that way. Why would you stop? and cooking your food make you feel so amazing and in those days people used to talk a lot about enzymes and I thought well you know maybe um, but this isn't the feeling I'm getting now there's nothing to do with enzymes I'm sure it's something something to do with the brain it must be there must be something chemical in the brain and this is where you know this is where I um, in my search for the analysis to this um, I found the work of Tony Wright and since then, he's written a book called Return to the Brain of Eden, which is very apt. But I found the work he was doing, and he describes it so well and so simply. That basically, you know, like any any organism or any machine, we, are, we have a design spec, and we are designed to be built from certain materials and have certain materials as fuel and certain materials as lubricant and so forth. We're designed to operate on certain materials. And they they are undamaged, I undamaged by heat above biological temperature because we're biological. Now, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And our neural systems in particular. So our neural systems, after water, fat is the main component. And all the different types of fat, you know, the polyunsaturated, the monounsaturated and saturated. Mm. And they're very important to build the neural system. And... Also, our neurotransmitters are mainly made from amino acids, and there's a, in this chemical mix. I'm also making it very, very simple. We're very complex. Yeah. <laughs> Sense of it, and me, you know, this idea of being mechanistic about this, what is actually actually yeah. happening. Yeah. And um, we also designed to run with various root compounds, such as monoamine oxidase inhibitors, which mm -hmm. lift our neural function, and um, antioxidants which protect our neural system from, from the damage that would have to be caused by um, the metabolic process of us burning fuel as food, food, food as fuel to make energy. So, but there's lots more to it as well. You know, and, and so we, we, in order to run at our, in our optimal way, we need undamaged, which means not heated by biological temperature or processed in any other damaging way. So undamaged amino acids, fatty acids and fruit compounds, or, or you know, they can come from vegetables and so forth as well. Although Tony does emphasise the importance of fruit as a, but you know, the, the fruit topic is a whole other topic. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, but we need those things to function optimally. Plus, which we stop, stop eating things that your body doesn't know what to do with. You clear out a load of sludge that gets in the way, perceptually. Right. 
So, you know, I like the mechanistic idea. You know, we get to hear lots of unconventional science. We get to lot to hear a lot of spiritual ideas that people have. But is it just mechanistic? Mm. Something you can actually imagine and, and, and see how it works. And then you try it out and it really does work. So with that, with that knowledge, I not, not only did I have an idea why raw food might have this impact, but also with an idea of what we actually need, what the nutritional components are that we actually need, I was able to then put together a diet that worked for me and my family. And, you know, as we know, there's not one way to do it. You know, you and I eat very differently, but what is interesting, I find, whenever I hear you speak, you describe the same food groups as I do. But we, just, we personally meet them in different ways. But it works for both of us. Yeah. And... and you know, I think, I think you know, I, I'm, everybody that I've gone through with this, gone through the actual food groups, what they've actually got to get, um, it seems to work for, but they do it in their own way. Right. Mm. And you call this neuroactive but, nutrition, is that right? I'm, I'm calling it neuroactive nutrition yeah. now, because I, I struggle for, you know, for me it's like the idea that what what we eat, is we're designed, we're designed to... For want a better expression, get high. You know, this is what we're kind of here for. You know, we're here to. I mean, yeah. the purpose, I, you know, the purpose of the day is to feel as amazing as possible. Yeah. <laughs> this is the purpose, and you know, you can do that in many ways. And you, you know, I get high off if I work very well, work very fast, very well, and achieve a lot of goals. I, I literally get high off that and get high off exercise, and we need all these things. But that food gives us a neuro. This sort of this chemical foundation for it all to work from and um so you know i, I thought you know, for a while it was called entheogenic nutrition i call it psychoactive nutrition but those terms have just become so loaded mm. now connotations that neuroactive nutrition is something people aren't saying so mm. i can i can define it and it you know it activates the neural system which mm. well, why it? of course it needs to activate mm. the neural system so it gets with the idea we can just put this any old sludge into our bodies and, and it's all just fine, we're going to magically... I mean, in a way, we can magically process low-level rubbish and still... <laughs> the fact that humans have got this far shows that, you know, how amazing we are. Yeah. But now, you know, we now we know enough and we have access to enough not to have to do that anymore. You know, we, we just don't have to. But I think uh, it's, nature's self-selective, isn't it? So that way of living is dying out because intelligence at yeah. the end of the day intelligence always wins and stupidity always is self-defeating yeah. stupidity always gets in its own way so exactly. we can eat like that for a short time but just exactly. it can't it actually can't sustain no and living. you can see now you know i say we've gone this far with it but actually now it's getting near the end of the road and you know it and masses are falling by the wayside in various ways and you know, if we don't want to go down with those masses, it sounds very harsh, but I think it's reality now. It's not only reach reach the end of the road in terms of this way of living, but also we've got new challenges like you know the level of pollution in every respect, and the, and the pace of life to just keep up with everything. At least you know in certain countries like Britain. So you know we we we, we have to really get ahead now. It's like um I think. You know, it's almost like passing the ways, really. We either live according to our biological design and go forwards into a future where we can start to um, access some of our, our, our latent abilities and perceptual abilities that have, that, have, that have become dampened down over the generations. Or we just, you know, become, I don't know, you know, just fall by the wayside, basically. 
And that is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel the middle well, ground is really slipping away. So it's really people yeah. are being forced to take one position or the other, but it's becoming harder and harder to just kind of float along. No, I don't. We can't really float along anymore. No. I mean, so neither of us have ever been people to float along. Neither of us have ever been people to float along, to be honest. But there was there was a much more ability for masses to just kind of yeah. stay in the dark about it, and that that ability for people to not take a position either way yeah. is is really slipping away, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, and, and it doesn't seem to be shocking to say that anymore because mm. I think it's very noticeable. Mm, exactly. Yeah. It's not a judgment about anybody because this is a self is self selecting. You mm. can choose. Mm. You can choose if you want to um, live to optimal potential, mm. and whatever obstacles there are, they can be dealt with. Mm. And uh, this is what I'm finding more and more. You know, some things we were talking about that um, obstacles that might have seemed insurmountable, we've got solutions coming in. Yeah, yeah. So you just touched on then about the power of um, feeling amazing and setting that as your your daily goal if you like do you want to tell us about um edenic states and what what that means uh, to you and... yeah um so i've started this i suppose call it a company edenic states so it's really it's the concept i guess i've got a website and there's products and we're organizing retreats and there's consultations and i've got a book on the way which i've actually been working on a long long while um and the, and the, it's the tagline is the states we want to be in. Mm. So it's all these, it's, it's, I think, it's not like the one state of bliss, amorphous bliss that we're, you know, going to float into. It's like there's lots of different ways of being and feeling that all feel really great. But they're the states we want to be in, where we feel, um, where we feel connected and we kind of know what we're doing and our intuition is operating and we instinctively know what we need to be doing to achieve what we need to achieve and feel happy at the same time and we feel creative and inspired and, and feel connected to nature and each other and all these lovely things. And um, the, the book and the retreats and everything else connected to it are about educating ourselves about what we need, what we need to do in order to be in those states, and you know it goes and it goes back again to um, to the research that Tony Wright has uncovered in, and he's documented in his book Return to the Brain of Eden because it's a lot more than food, and we're actually in a glitch. It's a good moment to talk about that you know the human situation. So that you know we're in a situation. It's it's something that's obviously happened to humans and that is, is getting in the way for us and this is where Tony's research has, and, the, and the research of scientists of our era that he's put together he's brought together into a framework so you can see how it all ties up and it seems that when we as a species left our natural biological habitat um, tens or hundreds of thousands of years ago because the way we're living, the way we're eating changed. Because we're designed, obviously, we're designed to live places where we don't have to wear much clothing, where the food is just around us. Yeah. That's our biological habitat. And those kind of places, like tropical forests, um, where we've got everything in hand and we're designed to live, they they kept us. They gave us a certain biochemistry, and it's to do with the food, but also the connection to the land and the sunshine and the weather and so forth. 
And when we left those habitats, our biochemical, the biochemistry in our bodies changed. So it affected the way the DNA is actually read. So we can have the same DNA, but if it's read differently or just transcribed differently, we have a different build to our brains and bodies. Well, and you can show that you know, in puberty, you don't change your DNA at puberty. But when your hormonal levels change, your body shape change, your personality changes and so forth, and your drives change and everything. So something has happened where our um, biochemistry changed, the hormonal balance changed, and so now the way we, we're built has changed, and it's affected our digestive systems, our immune systems, our reproductive systems. It's also affected the way, affected the, way the brain is built. And so now we've got this split sense of self because it's affected the left hemisphere more than the right hemisphere. Mm -hmm. So while we've still got this right hemisphere that has access to divine intelligence and all kinds of creativity and sort of powers that now we'd almost think are supernatural, the left hemisphere, um, the, the, the left hemisphere is built quite differently and it's become almost like a linear logic machine, but it's become the dominating force by virtue of its limitations yeah. and holds us yeah. back and, and, and inhibits access to the function that's still in the right hemisphere. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's lots, there's lots and lots of research that backs it up. It's just it's done different areas of science who, who don't speak to each other, who don't really, because of the way we've become, because this brain condition causes us to be reductionist in our thinking. Yeah. So yeah. then it produces a situation where you can have all the data but scientists can't even see how it fits mm, together, mm, which it is bizarre because it's uh, it's a condition. We call it as a we call it anosognosia. It's having a disease and don't know you have a disease. It's a, <laughs> if you've got dementia, you don't know you've got dementia necessarily. Yeah. So, and then you look out the world and say, all these problems. You know, why are all these problems? So, um, but having got a diagnosis, there's lots of things that can be done to start getting us back on yeah, the right track but we again. talked about this before didn't we that's the paradox is because the the damaged brain can't recognize itself so you can't yeah. even tell people it's not something that you can really communicate with words and no i know and i, I you know i think everybody's got their own role who wants to make a difference and for me i felt that my role is to show people how to feel better because i think that the people who actually identify they want to feel better yeah. are yeah. people who can make a difference. Uh -huh. um, and because they'd be actually willing to implement the things that are going to help. And thinking better goes along with improving our brain function. You know, so we, we can become, um, becoming more intelligent, become happy, can go together. You know, yeah. I think it's sort of a convoluted that to be happy, you've got to be stupid. No, it's not like that at all. <laughs> a brain function should be able to do both. Yeah, definitely. So I've made that my speciality, and Edenic States is is what I'm calling it. And I've had food for consciousness for a long while, but I like that name, and I'm carrying on operating that company. But I want to make it clear. I want to make you. Know, I want to really get to the pinnacle of, of what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And food is an important part of that, but also um, there's, there's so much else in its connection to the earth, and it's and, and it's accessing right hemisphere functioning and calming the left hemisphere. It's about getting the um, getting the hormones and neurotransmitters that we need to be at our best elevated, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tell us about the retreats? 
Yeah, so um, they are, they're starting at the end of September and it's at a retreat centre in Mexico, which I stumbled across and couldn't believe, I couldn't believe how beautiful it was mm. and how beautiful it was. And it's an area, it's a very, very safe area of Mexico, right up in the mountains. So it's in the tropics, but it's in the mountains. And so the climate's very warm and sunny, but not too hot, no mosquitoes. And the occasional bit of rain and wind, but not very much, but enough to, so it's not just, it's nearly always sunny, but not boringly so. Um, and the vegetation, the flowers and the trees are really beautiful. The food is excellent. And it's real human food. It's easy to get the food that, you know, so easy to get the food that we thrive on. Um, lots of really high quality fruits and vegetables. And it's all organic, just because they've never used anything else in that area. The, source that really, the food really nourishes you. So it's easy to give people what, you know, what I call, you know, the biological diet of our species. Uh-huh. And, um, and easy to walk around all day connected to the earth. So everybody's going to be issued with some earthing shoes. Okay. And we're going to be visiting sacred places in the area, um, including... Um, the sacred pool where um, Quetzalcoatl was born. Wow. Um, I've got a Quetzalcoatl tattoo, did you know that? All of Aztec history, and the people are so friendly and open-hearted, it just makes you real happy just to be amongst the people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think that's very, very refreshing for a lot of people. Yeah. And um, we've got Gwyneth Robbins doing her crystal healing, uh-huh. and um, teaching how to communicate with plants, which is totally out to this because that's so much part of who we are it's yeah. this hypnotic connection with the plants you know we're designed to have that and we we've got Anulita doing Kundalini yoga and I'm going to be teaching I'm going to teach be teaching about the constellations and showing people whether where the relevant constellations are and for those who want it I'm going to be um I'm going to be doing readings of what of Celestial astrology, yeah. that's astrology based on actual positions of constellations. Yeah. I want to get into that with you, but before we start on that, can you yeah. say a bit about plant communication? Like, what does that actually mean? Like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> well, Gwyneth is the one that teaches it, but um, and I've yet to do a session with her, um, so I'm going to be learning. But is it like book. your house plants? Or? Um, but any plant. <laughs> any plants at all is learning how to get into a sort of psychic communication with plants so they have things to communicate to us that we're not hearing is that right yes yeah and we're, we're, we're designed to live like that because you know think about it when we i mean all the food all, all our, our sort of natural diet is plants i mean you know obviously nowadays most people supplement that with animal foods and there's reasons for that because there's a glitches that haven't digest the system yeah. so but still, our primary foods are plants. We're, we're totally, we're, you know, we're to- our destiny is totally intertwined with them. And fruit, even fruits, you know, the clean body, um, you can make you high. And you know, one of our, one of the sort of, one, oh, I don't how to explain this, but in our natural state, foraging for food, we naturally seek out the food that's going to make us feel the most amazing. And if you're eating fruit and you're collecting fruit, it's the, the plant, the trees that can provide the fruit that they make you feel most exactly. amazing right. would be the fruits, would be the trees that would get their seeds distributed. And right. so that this, even at that level, that's a very really simple way of looking at it, but yeah, our yeah. desk is so intertwined with the plants. And then, of course, later on, 
people later on in, in history or whatever people were seeking out plants that would restore some of their um, some of the sort of neural capacity that we would have way back I think people regenerated that by using the antigenic plants but you know people people from way back they just knew what different plants would do to them they could tell they didn't you know, they just knew. The plant, as they say, the plants told them. I don't find that too wild a claim. I mean, I, I can look at a piece of fruit and know exactly what it tastes like mm. just by looking at mm. it. And I can't say how I know that, but I get the taste in my mouth when I look at it. And I don't think, I think it's a normal human ability, mm. but it's really, really far-fetched if you're not experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. But it's no more observed than any of our, our other senses. You know, I'm looking out of the window now and there's someone's shirt hanging on the line and I can see it's blue. And someone say, well, how do you know it's blue? Well, I can see it's blue. Yeah. It's no more weird than that. It's just we've got a certain range of senses left, which we think are normal. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that no one's quite sure if they believe in or not. Yeah. There's that thing, have you mm. seen that thing in Italy? There's a community in Italy and they do the singing plants. Have you seen that? Yeah, I have a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'll yeah. post that underneath because it's like the pl they just hook the plants up to electrodes and then the plants yeah. sing for them and different yeah. plants have different songs. <laughs> that, that, that totally makes sense to me. I, to I, I think, you know, this, it's, these are things that can only really be experienced because yeah. that's what they are, they're an experience. Yeah. 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 So what, what we're all doing, what Yelita and Gwyneth and I are all doing, it's all very connected in a, in a package. It's a synergistic experience. Mm. That's the thing. So it's it's experimental as well. It's an amazing experience for all of us, everybody coming and us. But it's also going to be experimental, you know, and we'll get feedback at the end, you know, what people experience and, and then give everybody the knowledge of what we're doing, understand what's behind what we're doing so they can carry on to, to um, reproduce it in everyday life. Because you can... It's like the food groups. There's not one way of eating, but there's certain elements you do need to get yeah, to do it your best. And the yeah, same in life. Yeah. Each culture has adapted, has adapted what we need as humans in the circumstances that we're in. And we can do that in our lives. You know, sometimes it's very challenging, but there's always a way to work it out. Yeah, for sure. And, and, then you, and then you're on the right track, and then you're thinking more clearly, and then everything starts to, everything starts to evolve. Yeah. But, I mean, at some point, yeah, let's talk about the connection to the Earth as well, because I think that's something people are becoming more aware of. But there's, there's kind of layers to it as well. There's deeper layers to it. Yeah, go on, tell us. Well, it's like, I think it's, I think it's getting more widely known how important it is to be electrically connected to the Earth on a physical level. Yeah? Yeah, but, tell um, us about yeah. because you said that about last time, about the electricity in our brains and... Yeah, so we know about, I think we more or less know about that now. But you think about it, our brains are electrical, our neural systems are electrical, and the Earth is electrical, it's electrically charged, so-called negatively, with electrons, and it's got all sorts of energy lines going through it. Um, you know, we're all just like, you know, with our reductionist minds, yo, yo, yeah, 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 how interesting. But when you think of it as a whole, as a whole experience, obviously the electrical energies of the Earth are interacting with the energies of our minds. I mean, that's really obvious, isn't it, when you point yeah. it out? Yeah. And as we designed, you know, most of human life has been spent electrically connected to the Earth just because there's no other alternative. And it's been noticed already that if you electrically connect people to the Earth, all kinds of chronic complaints and injuries can heal mysteriously, you know, now that we've got naturally connected into how we should be all along. 
but also it, it affects the way we think and it affects the way we perceive what we want because our desire, it's, quite, it's totally natural as humans to have desires. In fact, we need desires in order just to live our lives, otherwise we wouldn't know what to do. But the desire's got a bad name because it's been distorted by all sorts of influences. And so now it's almost saying, oh no, I want something, should I want it, and how will I get it? But actually it's just well, life is showing you a way of how, you know, showing you how your life is unfolding. Yeah. Yeah, and when you get connected into the earth, it becomes much more harmonious and natural, and you want the things that you really, to do with your destiny. Because desire it means from the stars, that's what it means, it's gifts, gifts and stuff. So it's destiny, it's your gifts, it's the oh, life that's given to you. Wow. So is it so, the same root, desire and destiny? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's of the stars, from the stars. Mm. Yeah, so they're, 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 you know, divine gifts to us. The things we've been given. And something, I think we talked about it before, but something I've become much more aware of recently, is like, you know, we have our observational awareness. Sometimes people call it first attention. We have our imaginative awareness, and sometimes, you know, sometimes people call second attention. But there's a third one as well, and that's being imagined, and that's like being a sense of being imagined, and that's the life that's given to us. And it's that that life has so much more energy and force and power and protection. And and you you can get a sense of it. I think we've all experienced it. It sort of comes in glimpses. And, but doing all these things helps you be clearer in it because there's something else going on, a fourth thing going on, which is really artificial intelligence. And it's a load of, you could call it all kinds of things, but um, some people call it archontic and some people call it the matrix or whatever people choose to call it. But there's something else that's demanding our attention that's going nowhere. Yeah. Any of us. Hmm. And, and, and people try to make sense of it and see the conspiracy aspects of it, which, you know, to some extent is true. But actually, it's purposeless. Right. And we're designed as humans. We're, there's a word teleological. Yeah. Actually, this, this work towards goals and the purpose. Yeah. Now, and our biggest purpose, really, could be said to connect to the source, which is what getting high is about is connecting to the source. Yeah, and we, yeah. make, we connect into all that ecstasy and power and energy and everything. Yeah, which is limitless, which is... Yeah, 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 exactly. And then and that's what we're able to it's, it's like it's been so long ago, or so it feels like so far away, that it seems outrageous an idea, but actually we can still do it today when we, you know, when we know what what's involved. It's just it's not handed on the plate to us anymore. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it ever was. Do you think it ever was? I don't know. I don't really. I can't really. I can't really know. I mean, there's, there's the, you know, there's the ideas that there's a golden age, but I can't really. You know, I can't say whether that was in the past or it's something in imagination or potential for the future. You know, I don't, we don't really know, do we? But the, the actually does. I think it's possible. I can't. I can't help feeling it's possible. I think there's maybe been times when communities have managed to live that way for short periods, but I don't think it's ever been anything that humanity not, has a not, in, his, not in written history, not in recorded history, yeah. possibly. Yeah. I think it'd be, it'd be prehistory. Yeah. So. Brilliant. So um, tell us a bit about celestial astrology. What's all that? Oh, so, yeah, so um, astrology, as it's generally practiced today, is based on 12 astrological signs, and um, they are marked along this, um, 
It's called the ecliptic. The ecliptic is the path that the sun and the moon follow, or appear to follow, from Earth. And this, the sun and moon appear to pass through 12 constellations. Well, no, actually, sorry, that's wrong. They, they actually appear to pass through 13 constellations. Yeah, yeah. But that's all being put by the by. Which and is interesting. I just I can't remember what I was reading last night. But, um, oh, it's about women's cycles, the menstrual cycle, and that 12 is the number of patriarchy and 13 is the number of the goddess. Oh. Well, I mean, it's interesting because there's, you know, there's definitely, in a real sky, in the real sky, the sun and moon pass through 13 constellations. I mean, there's about 88 constellations in the sky, but they pass through 13 on their path. Mm. They're apparent paths, as you from the Earth. So, um, but for the purposes of the astrology that's generally practiced today, that path is divided into 12 equal-sized segments that aren't in the same place as the constellations they're named after. And that's to do with movements in the sky that have happened over the years. And that it's like astrology and astronomy have come to different things. But celestial astrology is like, it's sort of, it comes from the astrology of old. It's modern, but it comes from the astrology of old, which was, which was lined up with astronomy. And they weren't two separate disciplines. Is that, is that widely known? No, that's... No, they were the same thing. You know, an astronomer was an astrologer. Oh, I, I love that because I, you know, my, my degree is in physics. I studied astronomy from that point of view, and then I got some more into mystical things. So I love the way that they're you know, coming back together again. So um, there's 13 constellations, and when you start to um, look at the placements um, of the planets and the and the sun and so forth when you're born, and see where they are in the real constellations. It's a bit like, oh my goodness. It makes, I don't think, it's not that astrology as practice today doesn't work because there's obviously something in it and it's connected to the time of year you're born and it, and it's, it, can, it you know, you can definitely see personality traits connected to people's astrological charts. It's not about ditching that or deriding it or anything like that. It's just a different format and it tells you something different. And what it tells you is it tells you about the um, talents and the areas of genius and the passions and predilections you've got that inherited from humanity as a whole. It's like um, phylogenetic transfer, it's called. So we inherit certain things from our parents and grandparents and so forth, but this, these are things that are inherited from humanity as a whole, but based on um, placements of the planets and the sun and so forth where, and when you're born. But there's some extra placements come in as well. For example, there's a point called the perigee, which is the point in the sky when the moon is the closest to the Earth, which is sometimes called a supermoon, and the apogee, which is when the moon's furthest from the Earth that it ever is. And so you bring these other points in clips with the sun and the moon. But it's like it's a bit it's like you know when you when you sort of looking. I mean, when I when I got just before I got into raw food, the question was my mind. Well, you know, I was always very interested in nutrition, but you know, what's the real deal on nutrition, you know, and then find raw food, oh yeah, it's the, you have it living, you know, raw, where it's meant to be, it's a bit like that with celestial astrology, after messing about with the astrology that's currently practiced, it's like got this sort of sense of realness about it, connected to the real living world, like when you're eating raw food, it's like, you know, for example, you're eating a vegetable, and you, it's actually something that's connected to something that's actually growing out there in the ground, or so do you do like birth charts for people? Is that how it yeah. works? Yeah. 
but it's like instead of telling people what their personality is, I mean, in old days it was like fortune telling, it's not like that, obviously, and it's not talking about people's personalities or psychology, they probably know that by now. Um, it's about pointing to people what areas that are really worth pursuing in life to reach their optimal potential and working with them. And it's helping to redesign a life story because. As a species, we live by stories, whether we think that's right or not, we just do. And I see this coming up a lot now because, you, you know, people who are who have got a lot of stuff in place to feel good, you know, they know about the food, they know about the exercise, they know about thinking positive and all that. But And they know about goals, but unless they're put in the terms of a narrative, still a bit kind of lost and this comes back to the this imagined life there's a, a sense of being imagined and that has a story you know and that's the story of our heroic life wow. we're all stars we talk about this often don't we we're all stars yeah yeah and we're all he heroic we're all heroes and heroines in this amazing epic journey and it helps to take you into your heroic this is your heroic life Mm. You know, where you know you're not a victim anymore. Mm. You know, you're, but you're not. You're not also on the other extreme where I create my own reality. You're not expected to do it all by yourself. <laughs> you're co-creating. Yeah, yeah. Not trying to be omnipotent over everybody else. You're actually you're co-creating with with the source. You know, I mean, I get. You know, you probably know. I mean, I I, I still feel very strongly about the Earth as a goddess, and that's through her. There's a connection to um, a deeper sort of, you know, you know, a, a, you know, bigger source. But um, but whatever you you know your beliefs are about that. Um, you know that that's what this is. This is what this is what this is what it teaches us. Is that it gives us it's to develop a narrative of our lives to play our part in it all. Yeah. Have you read Women Who Run With Wolves? I haven't. I know it's like book to read. Because that's really the whole thing of her book is that women need stories and in telling yeah. our stories and, you know, she goes into all the myths around the world of, you know, women's kind of fairy tale almost stories, but the, yeah. you know, the campfire sort of stories. Um, that's what helps us really connect with that. You know, she calls it women who run with the walls, but the wild woman and the, the power yeah. within that, and that's what so many women are, are lacking. And well, we become domesticated. Yeah, yeah. And that sounds harmless enough, but it isn't. It's very harmful. It's very demoralising. Yeah. It's horrible. It's actually horrible. Yeah. It's yeah. really, really horrible. And, yeah. and I think everybody knows it and feels it. But unless you're told, if, unless you're told something else or given some ideas of where else to look, you're just like, you, you're in that matrix situation, there's something wrong, and you don't really quite know what it is. I think it's almost a defence mechanism that we can't recognise the things that are wrong with us, because we have to carry on every day, we have to keep going every day, and, and if people could see to the extent, all in one go, to how much we're held back, it would be yeah. too much, so it's kind of like a necessary defence mechanism that people don't see the problems. It's got to be little by little because, yeah. oh yeah, I mean it would be good if we had time actually to talk about dealing with trauma actually. Yeah. Because this is all very, very, it's all very, it's actually very traumatic the lives that we are yeah. being slotted to. Yeah. It's extremely traumatic and it's historical trauma, generational trauma, yeah. but also yeah. to come out of it very fast can generate trauma yeah. on its own. Yeah. On its own. Right, right. So it, it's a situation to be handled, isn't it, as, as individuals. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to talk to you because um, um, I'm writing this book at the moment. Hopefully, I'm going to finish the first draft like next week, which I'll be really excited about. 
Um, but this book on women and, you know, it covers a lot of things, um, stress, depression, relationships, but then also the cycles that we go through, um, um, puberty and breastfeeding, pregnancy, and then the menopause. And this is really where my kickoff point was for the book was, you know, looking at, at menopause and how um how misrepresented that is in society and um, how, we we're going to talk about that weren't we yeah how really society so yeah society's yeah. idea of a menopausal woman really is is turned on its head as a, with a lot of things as to really you know what i'm experiencing is really a, a point of coming into my power in a way that's totally ecstatic you could the word, use the words ecstatic definitely um whereas it's usually framed as a as a depressing experience and I think that comes back to what you were just saying is is that undealt with trauma and that way that people are disconnected from the wild woman within themselves and then it becomes a very hard journey for them to take the next step when they've put all these or there are all these um, blocks in front of them that they can't see their way past but I know that you didn't experience any of that so do you want to no. tell us a no, bit about um, your experience of... So, um... No. So what have I experienced? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a little phase actually a few years ago when this is the worst thing I experienced when I would, I would wake up in the night feeling overheated. Yeah. And I what I did was several things I did. Stopped eating beetroot and I've forgotten what the reason was. Okay. I started taking using deer antler. Okay. I started um using evening primrose oil and nascent iodine instead of leucosiodine mm-hmm. and it will stop. Now we're all different but I'm saying it just I just sorted it out chemically and then I started taking um Magu's Secret, actually getting off your side off all yeah, of it. And and that's I probably what it's got in it. But I um don't don't why has it got in it? And yeah. it's got anyway it's got some great herbs. And I got really into, you know, I, I actually, you know what that takes. I get it all up here. <laughs> I, I, I like taking a lot of Chinese herbs, and I make it easy by getting the um, the capsules, yeah. and then it's yes. all sorted in the morning, and I think the difference is huge. Yeah. And yeah. so I will say that, and I do I do a heck of a lot of supplementing. And, and, I, I, and unashamedly, you know, because the, the situation we're in, it's so compromised. Mm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's actually a testament to the human mm. spirit that if any of us kept going at all, yeah. I think we should pat ourselves all on the back yeah. from yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing. I We've totally got... agree. I say this all the time. It's amazing anyone achieves anything ever. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> and and so, you know, I unashamedly take this whole bunch of supplements. But the difference, it's really huge difference. And I can actually tell you what they all are, if it's a, you think it's useful for anyone yeah, to know. Yeah, no, I'd love to know if you would like to share. <laughs> okay, here we go. You see, now I'll think of things that I forgot to mention. Number one, <laughs> pregnenolone. Right, do you know about pregnenolone? No, tell us, tell us. So it's kind of a precursor to other hormones. So it's a way of getting our hormones nearer to how they should be. Um, I don't really, I can't tell you. No, it's a way of getting all our hormones back up to what they should be without expensive biochemical, without expensive bioidentical hormone treatment. So I never got around to that. I mean, I know it's possible and probably affordable, so I've never got around to it. I'd love to do it. So I'm using pregnenolone. Mm. 
And then I, I use um, Wellsprings. I'm not saying everybody should do this, but this is an example mm, of having Wellsprings 20 to 1. I mean, this is, this is really private, you know. This is not so <laughs> any personal, so I'm telling you exactly what I take. <laughs> Wellsprings 20 to 1, um, Serenity Cream. So that gets the progesterone levels back up again. Okay. And that one's got a little bit of estrogen to do okay. the form of all the estrogen levels. Then I've got Adrenal Boost, which I'm still on. That's a regenerative... These are pregnenolone I get from regenerative nutrition, actually. Uh -huh. That's a good one. Uh -huh. The Adrenal Boost, I've had them for a while because I've actually had a lot to do in the last couple of years and I really felt, felt yeah. I needed it. It's just basically licorice, though. Okay. Then I've got complete EFAs. Um, I've got evening primrose oil. I've got... Um, I take melatonin at night, three milligrams, because that's something that drops with age as well. And uh -huh. melatonin levels are very important for the way the DNA is read. Yeah. It's that's the, the pineal gland, isn't it? The melatonin levels are too low. It's the pineal gland, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and it really changes everything, it makes you feel so much better rested, and mm. it's massively anti-aging. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know that, a couple of things I take, I don't know that this counts as vegan, but um, I'm not vegan, and I suspect there's ways you can do this, and, you know, I don't, can I mention those? Yeah, or? of course, yeah. Yeah? So people can make of it what they will. I mean, yeah. I, I just do the best I can. So I do, I do take deer antler, lace and tidying in water, I CBD oil, mm. uh, Mega hydrate, ubiquinol, but that's really, really important once we're in our late 30s or 40s because it's needed for the cells to um, make energy. The mitochondria is okay. needed for the mitochondria to make energy. So and we don't make enough of it ourselves past our early 30s. Um, I, I take fish oil, but you can do that with plankton or one of your amazing... My daughter's vegan. She gets your... Um, vegan yeah. Yeah. That's doing the job for her great. Um, so Dragon Herbs, Magu's Treasure or Secret, um, Supreme Creation I'm on now. Yeah. Will Power. <laughs> it works. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you the herbs in there off the top of my head. Diamond Mind. Um, what else have I got in here? Um, and my latest thing is I'm microdosing with um, with iboga. Yes, I wanted to get onto that. Um, I thought you would mention like vitamins when you said to use supplement so do oh, not D3, worry d3 i get all my vitamins i try to get my vitamins through food actually yeah because i think the way they're constructed i think plants can still make them yeah the problem is minerals if the minerals are gone from the soil they're gone um and then there's all these various herbs which we're really using to the treatments really for the glitch because we're not designed to age at this rate yeah that's why it's such a horrific shock <laughs> We're not. We, we know instinctively it's wrong, right, right, and right. so yeah. So I think that well, everything I take, I would say, is an adjustment for that, yeah, apart from yeah. the minerals, really, yeah, because yeah. of the situation with the soil. I don't. I'm actually taking the minerals, iodine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I have a lot of help. And zinc, we really need to be aware of as uh -huh. well. I need to do something about that soon. But I think I got a bit complacent in Mexico because the food is so nourishing. Yeah. So you get you can get your minerals from the food. Yeah. And the sun. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it, it, it changes, it just changes the way you metabolise yeah, it. Yeah, it does, yeah. Yeah, have you ever seen any scientific papers on that or anything like that? No. I no, no, but I just know it does. Yeah, so I can feel it, yeah. I thought you were going to say, have you ever seen any sun <laughs> in England? <laughs> uh, we don't realise how compromised we are, actually, yeah. in like this. But, yeah, the iboga. Um, 
So, iboga is a plant that grows in West Africa, and it's been used for as long as anyone can remember in um, for initiation rituals. And um, but it was discovered in the sixties, kind of by accident, that it would cut through addictions. So it became an addiction treatment, so bit by bit. But what it's very noticeable when people have done. Take a, what, they often they use ibogaine, which is derived from iboga, often to treat addictions because okay. it's more easy to measure how much they're using. So I, that's the difference between ibogaine and iboga. Iboga is the natural plant, and ibogaine okay. is the chemical that's derived from it. So when you're but, thinking iboga, which part of the plant are you using? Root is the root, uh -huh. ground up. But there's various ways you can use it, you know, there's lots of information around, I'm just saying the basics. But yeah. what's very noticeable is when people have done an iboga treatment or ibogaine treatment, is that they um, start to, they seem to be very positive and they don't seem to have any desire for any negative thinking. And it's interesting because as far as we know, there's no purpose to negative thinking. Yeah. In fact, it's mental. Yet knowing that doesn't mean people can stop doing it. Yeah. And I, tend to realise they're actually addicted. It's a chemical hit. And it's, this is described in a book that's really worth reading by Candace Pert mm -hmm. called Kills of Emotion. Mm -hmm. And we have a certain emotional balance and a certain chemical balance that's in, in, in alignment with whatever emotions we're feeling. And we can be addicted to these chemical fixes. Mm -hmm. In fact, we don't even maybe know how to operate without them. Mm -hmm. So, so, for example, if someone's addicted to heroin, Telling them they're addicted to heroin doesn't mean they can, oh, right, great, I've suddenly realised I'm addicted to heroin. <laughs> it's not like that. Same with these emotional states. Yeah. They're chemical. So if someone's used to always being angry, then they can't, you know, they would go into chemical withdrawal if they stop doing it. So you have to keep generating whatever emotional mm. state that you're used to to just maintain your your, your function. Yeah. And, and, and I realise this really is the case, and it builds up over the generations. Yeah. So we're and still living according to the trauma of 2,000 years ago. Yeah, and generating situations yeah. to validate that. It has to be done, just like a, a, any drug addict yeah. has to score their drug you have to score some kind of drama or situation <laughs> and, and i'm saying it's not from an outsider looking in i'm saying because i saw because although i've spent so many years working on positivity and all this i saw that there, i saw a remnant of myself that i didn't know how to shift right. I see that there was something still there that yeah. you know was wasting my time and i think i just for some reason i decided hmm yeah, I basically, for various reasons, I decided to, I just decided to try um, something, a small amount of yeah, iboga yeah. there, just one capsule, yeah, and yeah. then, oh, I get it, because it was like, it, it was just like having all that lifted away, it, what it does, it resets your receptors, and it resets your neurotransmitter levels, it's a complete reset, and we know about it in terms of of you know heavily addictive drugs you know about that it works for that but i saw i just felt it it was so obvious that i was being reset and a lot of my habits and ways of thinking and things that i want that i just thought were just part of my makeup were actually gone mm. it's quite it's really really astonishing and now i've got my time free now to pursue my goals and things i really want to do did the microdosing not affect your ability to do your your responsibilities, your everyday? Could you operate? Opposite. Opposite. Wow, amazing. Because they can more function. They're small. I mean, if you do a large dose of anything, mm. it's 
a lot for your body. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you've got to deal with it mentally. But this is something, you know, microdosing is not so well known about in Britain. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've actually been, I've been microdosing now for since 2005, but I was using other plants. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and people think, you know, I, I've had to keep quiet about it a lot of time just because people, I don't feel people understand. Yeah. You know, yeah. understand it's actually making you more functional, not yeah. less functional. Yeah. But going over the American continent, it, it's like people, you know, people have heard about it there. And, yeah. you know, in Silicon, you know, in Silicon Valley, people are doing it. Right. There's a lot of research into microdosing with LSD, isn't there? Yes. Mm. And, you know, this is going on amongst, you know, the, some of the most achieving mm. sectors in the population. And I give the example Silicon Valley, because they can do those jobs better. Yeah. yeah. Athletes. So it's cognitive ability, function, athletic performance. You know, this people use psilocybin. I'm not making any comment here whether they're legal or not. I'm just saying, you know, from experience. Yeah. Experiences other people talk about. Yeah. Psilocybin, ayahuasca herbs, um, LSD, and now iboga. And this is very commonplace. And for all the people who talk about it, it's going to dissuade the people mm. who will not talk about mm. it for obvious reasons. Mm. Because of society's disapproval, potentially, mm. and sometimes, of course, they're using drugs that aren't legal. I say drugs. I hate it when people say drugs. Using <laughs> substances that aren't legal in, in the country they're in. Yeah. Now, I, I just, I can't really, I can't deal with all that, so I just stick to things. Do you know what, as well, with the herbs, my research and my experience is that black cohosh is, like, the number one herb yeah. for menopausal women, and it's now illegal in Europe, so I have to order it from now, the States. Now, Europe? Yeah in the EU and yeah. if you if you go to a doctor they'll tell you that black cohosh is really dangerous <laughs> and you shouldn't take it and and I think it's the opposite I think it's the number one most effective thing but they're they're spreading the opposite information yeah yeah and we just you know our thoughts are valuable and our time is valuable we you know have we really got the time to even listen to this kind of you know what I mean it's just like it's almost like it's passing distraction. It's like to say, you know, you're a goody goody sitting in school and all the, you know, the naughty children are talking all the time and you're just trying to not listen so you can get on. <laughs> well, I think what, what you articulate so well and what we have in common is this idea that we are meant to be happy and that there's work involved in order to get to these states, but that state is the purpose of being here. And I think we get so derailed with that notion and, you know, we've had a couple of conversations recently and that's one of the big things that struck me is how so derailed we are as a culture right now. It's more than we know. Yeah. We know it's more than we know. I was just in New York a couple of months ago and I was looking around and I'd been reading Grace Jones's autobiography where she talks about Studio 54 and Paradise Garage and all these clubs where people were really pushing the boundaries of what it means to be free and liberated and have a good time Mm. and how all that got shut down and when you're in New York now which is still a fantastic city to be in but you can't imagine that level of of liberation occurring and the same in London how they're shutting down all the clubs and really sterilizing London it's hard to imagine London as as a cultural um something where culturally exciting and revolutionary things actually happen so yeah this this whole the, everything that you talk about it seems to be getting further and further away from the mainstream you know like I feel like 10 years ago 
people were more open-minded in a lot of ways but now it's hard for people to receive information because there's so much everywhere it's hard for them to receive information other than what's through the accepted channels would you say yeah except except i would say that for example most people i mean from here i could when we're at my windows i can I could walk out and put my bare foot on the ground, bare feet on the ground, and that's a source of knowledge straight away. Right. Um, it's just because it's just because people don't know. Right. Because it's never that far away. Right. But unless yeah. unless someone gives you some hints, do you, do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's all available. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it's difficult to know to start, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. It's really is difficult because it's all there. I guess that's why it comes back to though it's the experience rather than trying to tell someone something is missing the point it's it's directing towards the experience of having it for themselves and yeah you know, nowadays i only want to help people who really want to know and really mm. interact on it it's almost like you know it's because i think i think you've got to really want to do it and there's no way around that mm. and so there's two points that i was going to mention is actually you know it was meant to be happy but we have to work towards that fortunately work can be one of the things that we can get really high on yes yeah. so that's that sorted <laughs> <laughs> it's true though isn't it yeah for sure we're designed to work towards goals as we achieve them and, and about the next one and that's been a well-kept sequence as well you know, we're not really designed to be in a vegetable state. That doesn't make us happy. Yeah. We're not vegetables. You know, vegetables are things we interact with. <laughs> vegetables. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we're designed to be getting on with things, and you know, and to have a concept of the future, and you know, a feeling for the future, a sense of direction, a sense of direction. Yeah. Otherwise, this part of you is not there, and and then because it's something that exists in our minds, and and the main word mainstream, I feel I want to reclaim because I refuse to assign, I refuse to marginalise myself right. in this kind of alternative world. I'm not an alternative. Wow. I'm not in an alternative. I'm in the where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's where we're going because the things that aren't embracing life and the truth about what we are as humans and our species and what we're here for. They, I don't know where it's going, but it, it's not. It's not anywhere particularly. No, I can't. I don't think I could, if it's the mainstream, then it's very, very peculiar. I suppose it is a very peculiar situation. But and I, anyway, I don't feel I want to classify myself as alternative. An alternative to what? Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like with life force and with the truth of Brilliant. our species. Brilliant. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so that's the damaged mind, isn't it? Identifying as being alternative rather yeah, than that, identifying. Once you do all that, you yeah. do all things the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Which, even doing by speaking a language, you could say we just walk into the whole thing. But, you know, we can even start to reclaim the language and know that each word, each word, each time we say a word, it creates some kind of impression on our conscious minds yeah. and on our feelings yeah. it's affecting us so as we start to get our feelings back and our feelings are our guidance system yeah so um we as humans we can we can make errors we're designed to be able to experiment to make errors but we have this huge feeling capacity this intuitive capacity that brings us back on track but what's happened is we've become so numb down in our feelings that we've gone you know as has been described error beyond the scale of self-correction right. <laughs> like so far off so then we need other people and you know and, and various pieces of knowledge to guide us back 
towards that path where we can be self-correcting again. Yeah. But the most important thing, I think, is to be able to get our feelings back again. And then when you start to eat in a way, in a way that supports the neural system, you start to connect to nature and the earth and to start to move your body and exercise and be aware of your thoughts and everything. After a while, you get you actually start to get on a, you get on this sort of virtuous circle, you get on this little spiral where you, you just know you're going in the right direction. But it's still very precious, you know, and you, we can't really afford to be derailing ourselves by listening to people saying there's a stuff that's going to confuse us and you know what I mean? it's difficult you don't know what's truth and what isn't yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, it's quite a quandary actually isn't it it is yeah i think we talked about this before is how we're taught to put our own desires as you were saying as secondary our own feelings as secondary and and that's yeah to, to put yourself center stage like that is it's hard for people to um, get their heads around, isn't it? Well, it's living in a program. If, if you're born into a program, you're yeah. living in that program, and you can't see anything else because part of that program is to keep it from you. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like. I actually, actually don't know what it's like <laughs> to be in that program. I realise that even just at this moment, saying I, I don't know what that would be like. I don't know what that. I don't know what that means because I don't. I saw from a very, very young age that there was yeah. something very strange going on with people. I knew there was something really wrong with people, and I wanted to find out what it was. And I've tried to live, you know, within the bounds of what's called a normal life, but you find it such a confusing. Oh, it's just a head fuck, basically. You know that that's how you want to stay. <laughs> None of it adds, it doesn't add up. And you hear people say, but why don't they teach that, about that in schools? <laughs> but again, the, the schools and the, I mean, you know, my older children are in school now, but that, that's not the, it's like, the, that's not a, that's a different thing, so we're all in it, but to imagine this is some sort of program that's sort of going to work and feel right for you yeah. in any way, it's all just complete delusion, yeah. it's just all a lie, all of it. But it is, it is part of the experience, isn't it, is to examine our own trauma and our own programming and I don't I don't know whether we'll ever turn a corner and get to the point where we're not still looking at remnants of that I think mm. there's so much of it that you can you can know what you're moving into is is the beauty and the, the majesty of existence but still to keep delving into that you you have to keep looking at the ways in which we do limit ourselves and, and block ourselves yeah. continue especially as women I think you know there's thousands of years of patriarchy that's told us that we're not as important and that we won't be heard and that um that the way that we see the world is is not as valid as the, yeah. the male gaze and so there's a, so much there money as well I feel like women are much less um confident in their ability to generate money because that's not something yeah. historically that we've we've done um, so there's all these things that just I'm still <laughs> continuously but yeah. then when when they come up for me I look at them with compassion and I look at them with with um, understanding and patience and tolerance and I don't beat myself up which is the difference I think when I was younger um, I was always seeing how somehow I, I'd failed or I was wrong for not being able to be you know, in this plane of higher consciousness all the time, but now I see that um, it's, it's just, you know, you have to love the trauma, don't you? You have to love the trauma and the programming as much as you love the, the bliss moments, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. 
Yeah, I guess it's, I, I feel about it, it's, um, just look at, it's just something that's there. I, yeah, I don't really, well, I don't, no, I try, I try just try to stay focused on things that really make me feel happy and things that I want and as far as possible, really. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. I don't, and I, I that's the conclusion for me I've come to is that I, I'm feeling I don't really benefit from things that aren't things that give me joy or I just so if I'm not experiencing them in the physical right now, I just focus them on, on them in my imagination. That's, yeah, that's yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I really feel. I, I've not seen yet any benefit focusing on things that we don't like or want no but that's kind of what i'm saying is when you experience those then you you let go of them with grace and humility rather than getting involved in your own psychodrama and oh exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's no point generating more of it yeah yeah it's, you know things happen don't, it's just things happen yeah don't <laughs> and, I, and i feel as well you know you need to glorify the whole situation we're in it's just something's She's something's actually gone wrong. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be totally miserable about it. <laughs> but there's no point trying to say it was meant to be. I mean, what was that? You know, I, that's how I feel anyway. Right, right. I, feel, I just feel that's... Yeah, focus on solutions, actually. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, focus on the solution or the problem. Yeah, yeah. Because we know there's a problem. And that's... I don't know if I made that clear enough when we were sort of talking before, but I was talking about the whole thing about the Atlantic States, is that not only can we do a whole series of things that are going to make us feel a heck of a lot better very quickly and that will grow, but also beyond that, um, there's a, there's, uh, we have the potential to live in a state of ecstatic connection, and that exists within us, and that's why people experience it from time to time. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the, the research, the, you know, this research, um, it... it, it confirms that yeah, but there are certain yeah. things that need to be done for us to sustain those states continually and to and reach the full you know full capacity that we're here for which you know humans don't well, they don't really in our current age you haven't been experiencing the full potential that you know it's possible you know there's there's more there's a long way we can go but even in this life we can have a life that's worth living um, but there is more, there's way more beyond, and yeah, you know, yeah. and because it's to do with the, the way the DNA is read, so we could have general children in the future who are more how, you know, how humans are designed to be, right, right. To, uh, because the DNA is a blueprint, right, right. and within that is a scope for a, a level of, of, of um, I think a level of kind of wonder and bliss and and also genius capability that there would no need to be in a state of fear about anything because you can't just know what you're doing and what was the right course of action so you wouldn't need to get in a fearful state mm. and, it, and, and having abilities now that we would think of as supernatural and this isn't far-fetched anymore mm. but it's just that they're not instantly available mm. but we can but in the meantime we can do a lot to make things a lot better but this you know, I divide it into three sections right just for ease of thinking, um, the first thing is what we call natural diet and lifestyle. That's living and eating according to our biological requirements, but also taking into account that we're in a compromised situation in terms of our own bodies but also, and our environment. So you're dealing with all that. And then there's the mind. You could call it ecstatic mind. You know, the way, way we use our minds yeah. and the way we talk and, and so forth. And the magic of the mind. And then third one, that connection, connection to the earth, the connection mm -hmm. to each other. Um, connecting between the genders and children, all that kind of thing. Mm. So I, do, I divide it up. In my book, I've got it divided into mm. three sections. And, it, and there's so much, it can only be pointers, but it's just that there's, there's so much expert knowledge now in all these areas 
but it's just picking out we have so much information it's just picking out what is really relevant it's going to make a difference mm. to put it together all the other things and a sort of slight shift of the way you look at things and yeah, and, and I think this idea, I, there's something I, that actually that's really primary in the Edenic States idea is that when we can see the beauty, I think this may be very related to what the point you were trying to make a, a while ago. It's like when we can see the beauty of things, then we're in a really, we're in a very functional state of consciousness. And that's something I noticed with microdosing. It just, for me, it flips that switch where I can really see the beauty. And and then and I know that's more functional because yeah and it's not obviously about um convent, you know it's not about some convent, the cultural standard of beauty it's really that the feeling of pleasure when you witness something mm. that's what beauty is isn't it yeah, it's just yeah. pleasurable to experience it or to see it gives you pleasure yeah, yeah. and that's real beauty so yeah so beauty is a big part of it but not in the way you know that we might be told. It's not, not an elitist thing. It's not like, oh, some people are beautiful and some people mm. aren't. We all have the capacity to yeah, be beautiful. Yeah. And, to see, and to see the beauty. In everything, yeah, we can't yeah. see beauty that from part of us is shut off, that doesn't right. know how to make distinctions right. between what we want and what we don't want. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. 100%. There's a it's a change in values. It's like a kind of shift in values from some authority, some alien values that have come to us from some, you know, some... Find things that are alien to the human system, to the true, true human values, where we feel empathy with each other, so we naturally wouldn't want to hurt anybody or anything, if we could possibly avoid it. You know, it's like these kind of, kind of natural, natural values. Amazing, Ollie. I could talk to you all day, but I think I we should draw it to a close. So remind us, it's edenicstates.com. So the website is edenicstates.com. Uh-huh. And the retreat is in September? Yeah. And you can book on it now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for how long? A week? A week, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask how much it is? Um, um bird is 9 Yeah, oh, that's really yeah. good. I think so. Yeah. And you have to make your own way there, but I can advise about that. Yeah. About the best, way, the best flights and that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's for everything, that's food, accommodation, all the workshops, yoga. Yeah, everything once you get mm. there. Yeah, lovely. And, yeah. and transport from the airport. Yeah, brilliant. And do you want to mention food for consciousness? Yeah, so my website that sells foods is food for consciousness, all one word, dot co, dot UK. And I guess you've got the link to that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. brilliant. All right, thank you so much for your time, Holly. Thank you, I love talking with you. Me, yeah, I love talking. <laughs> I love <laughs> yeah. how you think. Yeah. <laughs> mm.